This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Americans remain fascinated with the comings and goings in New York City. The Big Apple is the world's financial capital, the home of multiple international media outlets, the theater and art center of the United States, the former hometown of a guy occupying the White House, and the launching pad for a former mayor trying to replace him in the White House. Americans want to know about New York, New York streets, taxis, crime rates, homeless population, and, of course, it's schools. Rising property values and gentrification driving minority and immigrant children out of the city? Or is the middle class abandoning the city's public schools for charter schools, private schools, and suburbia? Or are all the schools in New York so bad that families are just leaving New York City? What is going on in the Big Apple? To answer these and other questions about the schools of New York, I have with me today Ray DeMonico, Director of Education Policy at the Manhattan Institute, the author of a just-released study entitled A Statistical Profile of New York's K-12 Education Sector, Race, Income, and Religion. Thank you, Ray, for joining me on the Education Exchange. I'm happy to be here. Well, Ray, can we begin with some basic facts? Are the enrollments in the public schools in New York City increasing, decreasing, or are they staying about the same? Uh, that depends on whether you consider charter schools to be public schools or not. I, I do consider them to be public schools. But in the years since 2001 through 2019, enrollment in traditional district schools in New York City is down by 118,000 students. That's almost completely offset by an increase in enrollment in charter schools, 117,000 uh, students and private schools, private and religious schools are down about 35,000 in those years. So in total, the school enrollment in New York City across all sectors is down slightly over those years. Those years, pretty much a lot of this change, particularly the growth in charter schools, happened under uh, Mayor Bloomberg's administration when he greatly embraced charter schools. So it's basically a story of a shift within the public sector from the district-operated schools to charter schools. It's not a story of change in the total enrollment of the uh, public sector in New York City over the last two decades. Yes, that's right. But there was some decline in the private school sector. Uh, so the total enrollment is down somewhat in the city of New York. Does that mean the families are moving out to the suburbs? What's happening in the in the state of New uh, York? There's a there's a big shift within the uh, private school sector. It involves the religious schools in the city. Since 2001, the Catholic schools, which historically had been the largest part of the private sector schools, are down by half. They've lost a tremendous number of students. This is partially offset by growth in enrollment in the Jewish schools, which are up uh, over 40% in the city and even more uh, statewide. Uh, the, the growth in Jewish schools is seen in the most religious, the Orthodox and Hasidic communities around uh, the city. And today, there are almost as many students in Jewish schools in the city as there are in charter schools, although the charter schools get you know, much more attention in the press. So how about the um, secular uh, private sector? There's uh, plenty of uh, schools in New York City that are catering to a uh, well-heeled population. 
that don't have a religious yeah. affiliation or are not a very prominent one. Uh, what's happening to them? So the, so the private schools in the city are are somewhat bifurcated in terms of the type of people who attend them. You're, you're correct. I looked at the wealthiest census tracts in the city, and in those, 62% of the students are enrolled in private schools. These are mostly the prep schools, as we will call them. These schools are very expensive and very exclusive. Uh, although it's 62%, that only uh, amounts to about uh, 10,000 or so students because the, you know, the number of child-raising families in these, uh, in these census tracts are, are small. At the same time as we see that, you know, a very vibrant uh, sector of prep schools and private schools for the wealthy in New York City, the big numbers in private schools, well over 100,000, are found in census tracts with average income below $100,000 a year, so the working class and, and poor. These are mostly the families that are sending their kids to religious private schools. So the overwhelming percentage of students in private schools, even in New York City, are not the kinds of people that we think of when we think of uh, rich kids uh, 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 getting a special education paid for by the one percenters. Yeah, that, that's absolutely uh, absolutely true. And percentage numbers, uh, you know, a lot of them go to private schools, but, but they're small in overall numbers because they're at the top of the income uh, distribution. So yes, it's a, it's a very uh, diverse, uh, sector, both in terms of race and family income. Yeah. Where you do find a heavy concentration of the wealthy is actually in suburban public school districts. So, so the wealthy face a choice. They can stay in the city and uh, spend a tremendous amount in terms of private school tuition, or they can move to any number of incredibly exclusive and homogeneous suburban school districts around the city and the suburbs. Uh, where the price of admission is is the, the price of the home and the real estate taxes that support their schools. Well, are those uh, schools growing in numbers? Is the enrollment growing in the uh, exclusive private schools in the uh, communities surrounding New York City? No, they're sort of, uh, I mean, in some ways they're capped. These are small, homogeneous communities. There are only so many seats in the schools. There are only so many homes in these uh, community, so they're they're staying about the same. What we do see a big shift is in upstate New York, where overall, just given the the poor economic conditions uh, north of the city and north of its suburbs, there's been a tremendous decline. There are over uh, the, the decline in, in enrollment in all sectors is down by 250,000, and there's. Uh, racial and uh, ethnic change associated with that. There are 483,000 fewer white students uh, in the state outside of New York City and the growth of Hispanics and Asians. So um, bringing up the uh, ethnic composition, what is the situation in New York City? How, let's take the district schools in New York City, first of all. How how is the ethnic composition of the New York So the district schools changed? in the city are 40, 41% Hispanic, 22, and that's growing, 22% black, and that is declining, 18% percent 
Asian, and that is growing. Asian uh, families are the most loyal to the tradition, pu traditional public schools. Uh, they're not found in great numbers in either private or charter schools. 90% go to the traditional public schools. And the white uh, part of the, the, the white enrollment in the city school system is 16%. So they're the smallest of the of the four groups. Charter schools are largely uh, the home to black and Hispanic students. Over 90% of the students in charter schools are black or Hispanic. So white students are 16% of the district school enrollment. And That's they're right. what percentage of the private school enrollment in New York City? Uh, Two-thirds, 66%. So there's actually more white students in private schools than there yes. are in district schools or in the public sector as a whole in New York City. Yes, 52% uh, uh, of the white students in New York City uh, are in private schools. Keep in mind, this includes this big growth in the Jewish schools, which are you know, 98, 99%. Uh, white just because of, you know, who goes to those schools. So. so what do you think are some of the key drivers of these enrollment changes? So I think uh, over a long period of time, one can see evidence of discontent on the part of black and Hispanic families with the schools that the traditional school system was offering them. They have, uh, they have moved yeah, to the charter schools, as I as I just said, 108,000 black and Hispanic children, 14% of the total of black and Hispanic kids are now in charter schools. Uh, there are over 58,000 black and Hispanic students in, in private schools. And so as choice has increased in the city, particularly in the, in the charter uh, sector, you see people exercising that choice. Uh, the the uh, as I said before, Asians are the most loyal to the traditional public school system, and they're growing, right? the The story with with uh, white students, white families, might be changing. There have always been uh, throughout this time and prior to this uh, ethnically white neighborhoods in the city, and they're using uh, the public schools. But you know, an area of dispute or discussion in New York City over the last few years of the de Blasio administration has to do with sort of selective middle schools and high schools, some of which were set up during the Bloomberg years, that uh, some see as an attempt, uh, some saw as an attempt to retain white students within the public school uh, system. The de Blasio Carranza administration seems to be approaching education these days as a zero-sum game on the notion that there's always so much good to go around and that their job is to more fairly allocate students to the, to the good schools and to the good states. This is in deep contrast to Bloomberg's approach, which was to try and grow the number of effective schools, not only in the charter school sector, but a tremendous effort over the 12 years of the Bloomberg mayoralty to close low-performing traditional public schools and replace them not only with charters, but with new public schools that were staffed by UFT, union member, uh, New York City public school teachers. I think what a lot of my data says to the current administration is as much as they want to dictate the racial mix of students in individual schools, they're going to have a hard time 
doing it. Parents are fiercely uh, defensive of their own children's needs and whatnot, and this data shows that that parents of all communities have many options. They have choices in the city and in the surrounding areas, so it remains to be seen how, how willing they will be to go along with, with what the mayor and the current chancellor are trying to do. So there's been a lot of uh, talk of eliminating exam schools. I guess you called them selective schools, but you have to take That's an right. exam to get into those schools. Uh, but then there's uh, uh, opposition to that in the state legislature. So uh, are those exam schools uh, going to persist or are they uh, going to uh, go the way of the buggy whip? Um, it's, it's very complicated politically. The first thing to understand is that the prime beneficiaries of those schools tend to be Asian students. Uh, they outperform all other groups, including white students, on the entrance exam. The other complication is that the law only applies uh, to three, the three oldest of the exam high schools in New York City. They're well-known, Bronx Science, Brooklyn Prep, and Stuyvesant High School. Under Mayor Bloomberg, the city created a number of additional smaller schools that also admit based on the exam. It's not at all clear that the law requires those schools to use that exam. That is sort of a discretionary action of the Department of Education. And had he wished, de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio probably could have had that, had that change. Everything that he and his chancellor have tried to do with, uh, with regard to these selective high schools, the exam high schools, has met with fierce opposition from the Asian community. And quite frankly, some of the rhetoric that the, the chancellor and mayor have used directed towards the Asian community has been, has been offensive. There's, there's good reason why people are angry. So for now, that seems to be on the back burner. The legislature uh, just is not willing to, to touch it. But I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the challenge will come back at some point in the future. Well, we don't hear about Asian uh, influence in, in uh, local politics very often. Uh, has the Asian community, and they're very, you know, there's many different uh, gr groups within the Asian community that would make it, would seem to make it difficult for them to unite. Are they, are they becoming a more significant political factor in New York? I think that this debate about the selective high schools, as well as a, a parallel effort that was looking at some middle schools in the city, which are selective, is beginning to unite the Asian community politically. Uh, a former controller of the city of New York, John Liu, who's now a state senator, very, very democratic fellow, but he's been sort of in the front of, you know, pushing back against what the mayor and chancellor have been trying to do. He's been very vocal in that. But as you say, you know, these, these statistics can be misleading. We talk about Asians, but it's a very diverse community in and of itself, you know, from, from East Asians to South Asians and, and all over the place. Uh, but, but generally, there has been more political uh, involvement, and uh, there's, been, there's been a wake-up call here. So. Well, one of the wake-up calls to the white community in New York City is the fact that the Asian community is outperforming them uh, on uh, these uh, on these tests. What do you think is the the reason for that? Because if you look maybe 
30, 40 years ago, Asians were like other minority groups were trailing the average achievement levels in the white community. That's really quite uh, turned around in the last 10 years. So I've had, you know, I'll, I'll give some, I'll give an anecdotal answer. I've had the reason, uh, opportunity to speak with recent immigrants from Bangladesh and elsewhere, certainly East Asia, and you hear a story, the same story over and over. These are uh, folks who, who tend to be low income, they're recent immigrants, their reason for being here in the United States and in New York City is to make a better life for their children. And quite frankly, they will move heaven and earth to get their child uh, prepared to sit for the standardized entrance exam to the, to the high schools. And so there is a commitment that begins when the child is in fourth or fifth grade, they're thinking ahead to high school entrance. In many of these communities, there is a robust network of lower cost uh, preparation services. Children go to school for a couple hours on Saturday to prepare for these exams. The, the opposition, the people who would like to get rid of the exams will point to the example of some test prep operations, say in the wealthier neighborhoods, and which charge quite a bit, but that's not what's driving the numbers here. It's sort of low cost programs in Bangladeshi and other communities around the city, but it's still a financial sacrifice on the part of the parents. So they're just they're just dedicated to uh, doing this. There is there is some evidence that part of the challenge the city faces in trying to diversify these schools is that uh, some some higher achieving black and Hispanic uh, students, their families choose not to have them sit. Uh, for the exam. I mean, they're making the choices that they think are best for their children. In a report that I did last year, I pointed out that although the selective high schools get all the attention, they are not the only game in town. There are some very good public high schools that serve much more diverse populations than the selective schools. Their results are not at the same level, but they're just below them. They're like a second tier of school. So there are other options available to white parents and, and black and Hispanic parents as well. So do you see any evidence that the, uh, when people um, make some changes in the arrangements for their children, that it's when they're moving into middle school or into high school, that there's a greater concern about the quality of the education they might get at their neighborhood school in as they move up out of elementary school into the later grades? So the way the system is structured, the way it works is that in, in the traditional public school system, most, almost all elementary schools, those that start at kindergarten and either go to grade five or six, are geographically zoned. There are a handful of what are called citywide gifted programs. I think it's only four or five schools in the city. But beyond that, most children in the public school system, the traditional public school system, go to their local elementary school. And there are many fine options for them there. It's also worth noting that the bulk of charter schools in the city begin in kindergarten. So in those neighborhoods, largely black and Hispanic and low income, that have been so ill-served by the traditional system, 
over the past 20 years, you've seen a growth in charter school opportunities. Uh, the big challenge that a lot of families face in New York City is at the middle school level, and that's when they start to to get uh, uh, concerned. The, uh, you know, there's a whole set of reasons for that. Adolescence is difficult. The middle schools tend to be larger than the local elementary schools. Over the years, the, the, in addition to the charter schools, the traditional public school system has begun to offer more choice at the middle school level. In some districts, it's full choice. There are, there are no uh, geographic zones. The current administration has been looking into those policies on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and in Park Slope. Both, of, both neighborhoods have significant numbers of white students. Uh, there was a situation in which there was real racial differences across the four or five middle schools in the district, and the, the city has been urging those districts to change, and they have actually caused some of these districts to change the way they admit kids to to middle schools. High schools in the city is, is completely choice. There may be a handful in Staten Island, which is geographically isolated, of geographically zoned high schools. The rest are all choice. Kids there's a, there's a citywide admission system, and they, they rank order up to 11 schools, and then an algorithm figures out how kids are going to be matched up with individual high schools. So given the trends you've observed and uh, given the current policies, uh, what projections would you make for the—you've been looking for at two, at a two decades from 2000 to, you know, to almost to 2020— and but looking ahead to 2030, 2040, what would you project out? Are we going to see declining enrollment? Are we going to see uh, further ethnic change? Or, or is the movement that you've I don't been think observing there's, it, look, it's through? hard to look that far in the future. New York is a very dynamic place. We've been on an upswing for a long period of time. Uh, I've worked in. Uh, in and around city education for 40 years now. Uh, there are neighborhoods in the city well known that 30 years ago were considered unsafe and now property values have increased uh, tremendously. I see no reason to be pessimistic about the future of the city in terms of the number of school children we have. Uh, I think I think we, we now have a very dynamic uh, system of choice among three sectors in the city, public, private, and charter. I think people will continue to rearrange themselves. I think the next mayoral election, which is in less than two years, that education will be a hot-button issue. Many people, uh, particularly uh, white folks and Asian immigrants, uh, striving uh, people are very upset with what the mayor and, and chancellor have been trying to do in terms of trying to dictate the racial mix in particular schools. So that, that'll be a, a point of decision for the city to make in terms of who gets elected next and who's in, in charge of the school system. As you know, we have mayoral control, so the mayor appoints the head of the school system. So, you know, I, th I think the city faces a, a choice. Just looking at the last two mayors, we've seen what de Blasio's done. Bloomberg, as I said, was create about creating more options uh, for parents. Uh, the, the next mayor will have a great opportunity to place their mark on the schools. 
So politics is going to have a lot to do with where we're going to be going in education in New York City, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it could be any other way. Well, thank you, Ray, uh, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I have been speaking with uh, Ray DeMonico, Director of Education Policy at the Manhattan Institute, the author of a just-released study entitled A Statistical Profile of New York's K-12 Education Sector. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time. Thank you for joining me.